It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 835 for the 9th of June, 2023. This week, your browser blocks ads and pop-ups, you use incognito mode, and you don't allow sites to access your computer's hardware. Safe, right? Well, your browser can still be fingerprinted and you can still be tracked. In short circuits, Canary is an email application that runs on Windows, Mac OS, iOS, iPad OS, and Android. In addition to artificial intelligence for creating or responding to messages, the app strengthens security and the versions work about the same on all platforms. Artificial intelligence makes it possible for one person to sound exactly like another. The dangers should be apparent. And 20 years ago, only on the website, in 2003, legislators were wrestling with the effect that the internet would have on intellectual property and specifically how copyright would apply. I was still trying to figure it out. You may tell your browser to refuse cookies and turn off features in an attempt to avoid being tracked around the internet, but the simple fact is that your browser can be fingerprinted, and that makes tracking you relatively easy. Sites can identify you based on information your browser provides when it's asked. There are ad blockers and apps that are advertised to keep you off the radar deployed by advertisers, but how effective are they? Probably not very. Some browsers are better than others, but you won't find one that's perfect. Websites ask for information from browsers for valid reasons. The TechBiter Worldwide website wants to know how many pixels wide your browser is. That allows the site to arrange text and images to fit properly. Browsers can send a lot of information to a site that asks for it, and the more information a browser provides, the easier it is to identify. I tested Vivaldi, Edge, Chrome, Firefox, and Opera with the Electronic Frontier Foundation's Panopticlick service. Initially, Edge, Opera, and Firefox were shown as deficient. After changing some settings, I was able to improve the results for Edge and Firefox. Deficient browsers reported, our tests indicate that you are not protected against tracking on the web. Results for the others said, our tests indicate that you have strong protection against web tracking. Vivaldi, Edge, and Firefox all blocked tracking ads and invisible trackers. Chrome and Opera did not. And Panopticlick reported that all five browsers had unique fingerprints, and that would make them trackable. The Electronic Frontier Foundation says fingerprinting is a sneakier way to track users and make it harder for users to regain control of their browsers. The Panopticlick report measures how easily trackers might be able to fingerprint your browser. So let's take a look at the results for Vivaldi. The more specific the information is, the less likely it is to be shared among other browsers, and combining many bits of information makes it possible for a website to identify a browser with near 100% accuracy, even if it's unable to identify the user of the browser by name. 
Some information, such as web header data, is sent automatically with an HTTP request. That's so the server will know the browser's time zone, language, privacy settings, and cookie settings. The site can send JavaScript code back to the browser to obtain information about the hardware the browser is running on, installed typefaces, and even which browser extensions are running. Check the TechBiter Worldwide website and you'll see some of the information that was sent back to the EFF's test server from my browser. There was the user agent. That can be specific, but one in about 12 browsers would report the same information that Vivaldi sent. Not very useful. There are the HTTP accept headers, which shows what the browser expects to receive back. That information is even more common. About one in four browsers would report what mine did. There are browser plugin details. I have a lot of plugins, but apparently the extensions I have installed are pretty common. One in fewer than two computers will report those settings. My time zone offset was set as 240. It's 240 minutes. That's the offset from Greenwich Mean Time. About one in eight browsers has that. The screen size and color depth were sent back. I have a relatively high resolution screen. The response, less common, but far from unique. About 1 in 30 browsers share that setting. But you can see how combining all of these settings acts to create a far less common ID. The test server asked for my list of system fonts. About 1 in 16 computers reported those settings. So at this point, I'm going to skip some of the more common settings, such as language, platform, CPU class, ad blocker, and cookie information. Let's move next to WebGL vendor and renderer. And because I have a relatively high-performance set of monitors, the video subsystem is somewhat unusual. In fact, it's the most specific identifier so far. One in about 38,000 computers would match that setting. No matter how common you think your hardware and software setups are, they probably are far more specific than you expect. Even if you turn cookies off and use a VPN, your browser can still be fingerprinted. A site can determine that you're in the United States using the Vivaldi browser and that you're in the Eastern time zone. That's pretty generic, but the site can also figure out that you use Windows, have a computer with an 8-core processor, 64 gigabytes of RAM, a high-end video card with the most current driver installed, 14 browser extensions, and several unusual typefaces installed. Suddenly, your browser is no longer one of millions of unidentifiable devices. The fingerprinting can narrow your computer down to just a handful and possibly a single machine can be tracked very easily. There are extensions that attempt to block browser fingerprinting, but like other protective applications, they have the potential to create problems for websites that need the information to function properly. Most of the browser extensions can be modified so that they're disabled on certain websites. The best option right now is probably to visit the Chrome, Apple, or Microsoft store and try one of the fingerprint blocker extensions. If you find that Firefox is deficient, check the browser security settings. The default is standard. When I increased that setting to strict, Panopticlick reported our tests indicate you have strong protection against web tracking. However, Firefox warned, this setting may cause some websites not to display content or work correctly. If a site seems broken, 
Just turn off tracking protection for that site and then reload all the content. Opera claims to have protections against fingerprinting, but Panopticlick reported problems regardless of the settings that I used. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. short circuits, a new email application is somewhat unusual in that it runs on Windows, Mac OS, iOS, iPad OS, and Android. A single application that runs on so many hardware platforms is appealing, so I'll have to explain why I use it only on my mobile devices. In fact, I'll start with that. I use Thunderbird on the desktop Windows computer, and I can't imagine switching away because extensions for Thunderbird provide two functions that I don't want to lose, and a third that's quite helpful. I wouldn't want to lose the Send Later function because it's not uncommon for me to realize almost immediately after sending a message that I forgot to include something important. So I've set the delay to two minutes. That's long enough for me to realize that I've forgotten something, and short enough not to cause a problem. Besides, when I want to send something immediately, I can override the function. The other extension that I need is the ability to send personalized messages, each with its own specific attachment. The third extension converts straight punctuation marks to typographic symbols and makes other conversions that I like. Additionally, Thunderbird has several features that add value. So Thunderbird will continue to be the application I use on the desktop, at least for now. But Thunderbird doesn't have a version for Android or Apple mobile devices. And I've had to use one program on the phone and a second on the iPad. Canary runs on both. It also offers modern features such as AI to write a response for the user and solid end-to-end -end encryption. These features may be enough to convince quite a few people to choose Canary as their sole email application. And it's free. Maybe. The basic application is free to use on all supported devices, but users can pay to get additional functionality. The $20 annual fee offers better artificial intelligence and improved security options, and enterprise users can choose a version that costs $10 per user per month. Just the ability to run on an Android phone and an Apple tablet convinced me to give it a try. And the other features are just convenient extras. You'll see some images from the Android version on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Users can define any number of email accounts, even with the free version. The Inbox, Outbox, and Sent views can show messages from any one account or all accounts. Canary connects with the device's contacts, which makes the transition from another application easy. And perhaps the most convenient feature is the cross-device sync function that displays a QR code. That QR code can be used on another device to transfer all accounts from one device to another. 
Those who have multiple desktop notebook and mobile devices can set up the accounts on one and then use that feature to replicate the accounts on all the other devices. The Copilot function can create a new message or respond to a received message. I had Copilot create a message to one of my other accounts and asked it to add a joke about Mondays and then explain I would not be in the office because I had to stay home and polish the cat. I gave Copilot three goes and wouldn't have used any of them as written, but the point of AI assistance is to provide starting points, at least now. When the initial versions of Canary were released a year ago, the emphasis was entirely on privacy because it supports encrypted emails. Security is still an important feature, but the main emphasis now has shifted to AI. The desktop applications are good fits for Windows and the Mac OS. That differentiates it from applications such as Gmail. That's because Gmail runs only in a browser, not in an app that looks at home on the hardware. Canary can even connect to Gmail. That's in addition to standard POP3 and IMAP accounts, Microsoft 365, Outlook, Exchange, Proton, Zoho, Yahoo, and other accounts. If you have an email account, Canary probably will work with it. Canary should update itself automatically, but sometimes that fails. The Windows version, for example, sometimes reports an update is available, then fails to find the Canary server. Usually, that problem resolves itself in a few hours, or at the latest, by the next day. This is, after all, a new application that has been developed to run on a wide variety of hardware. The developers will work out the bugs eventually, and initially, it seems that the mobile devices are the more robust. Canary can encrypt emails using PGP or with Canary's hosted Secure Send technology. PGP requires a lot of work to set up, while Secure Send just works. It's also HIPAA compliant. Encrypted messages sent between Canary users look and act like any other message. But encrypted messages sent to users of other applications will require the receivers to jump through several hoops to gain access to the encrypted message. This is an application that should have a bright future. It can be downloaded from the Microsoft Store, the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store. And for more information from the developers, visit the Canary website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. One of the most alarming results of artificial intelligence is the ability for anyone to make a recording that sounds like any other person. Impersonators have been entertaining us for decades. Rich Little made a career of impersonating people like Ronald Reagan and Joe Biden. He's also done Richard Nixon, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, and even Porky Pig. In 1962, Vaughn Meter started what might have been a lucrative career impersonating John and Bobby Kennedy. That career ended on the 22nd of November, 1963. Both Meter and Little are included in a story that ran on NPR after Meter's death in 2004, and there's a link to that story and the recording on TechBiter Worldwide. An impersonator such as Rich Little could impersonate Joe Biden in a way that would be politically damaging or even ruinous, but he wouldn't. An unethical person, though, might use the voice AI application to do the same thing. 
There's a link to the Voice AI application on the TechBiter Worldwide website, and there's also a video by Kevin Stratford illustrating the technology. Fake audio is just one part of the threat. Adobe Sensei's artificial intelligence, even in beta form, can create believable illusions. You'll see a photo of the White House on the TechBiter Worldwide website. There's a Russian flag and a Russian tank on the lawn. The flag and the flagpole are clearly phony, but they're good enough that some gullible people would believe that they're real. The tank is much more believable. I don't know enough about military hardware to say that it is a Russian tank, but it is a tank, and even the shadow makes it appear to be on the lawn. Note, though, that the flag and the flagpole do not cast a shadow. The next step, clearly, will be deepfake videos that can create scenes that look and sound real. These can already be cobbled together, but only by those with sufficient tech savvy and the funds to acquire expensive hardware. A couple of decades ago, quarter-million-dollar video editing suites were supplanted by desktop computers. That's about to happen with animation. Artificial intelligence offers us some truly useful and amazing capabilities, but there are dangers lurking behind the curtain. There are no lurkers or curtains in 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website. This week, we look back to 2003 when legislators were wrestling with the Internet's implications for copyright and intellectual property. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>